All right, let there be light. Aren't you glad that you're here? We're so honored you're with us today, and we know that there's many guests in the house this Easter weekend. And we want to say to you, our, um, our promise is that we want to really encourage you in an incredible way. We want you to understand that you are fully accepted right where you are. You're highly valued by an incredible God who has created you for a significant purpose and greatness in life. And what we would love to do is we would love to equip you to live out that purpose in a phenomenal, phenomenal way. We believe that God brought you here today and you know what? He is going to speak to you and encourage you and motivate you. And when you walk out of here, you're going to have actually more light (laughs) than you did when you come in. You're going to have maybe some incredible hope. Because, see, there's a lot of dark moments in life, isn't there? Huh? Anybody ever stumbled in the dark before? Hurt something, broke something, you know what I'm saying? My wife, she kind of likes to move furniture around a lot of times. And, you know, uh, just a few months ago, she decided she was going to move a little oak table into the hallway of our bedroom that's on the way to the restroom. And I have a weak bladder, and so many times during the night I have to get up and go to the restroom. And, you know, I forgot that the oak table was there in the dark. And I actually stumbled upon that table, the little leg of that table, hurt my pinky toe. I think I may have broke my pinky toe. And I can tell you, it still hurts some today, like when I'm putting pressure over on that side, you know what I'm saying? It still, still kind of hurts, and, uh, you know, whenever we break things or hurt things or we stumble around on things, a lot of times it holds us back from really uh, functioning and doing things like we're designed to do, right? Huh? Anybody ever broke anything? Huh? Yeah. Anybody ever broke their car? Come on. So, anyway, it, it really kind of holds us back. And, and really, there's an enemy that wants to hold you back and hold me back in life, And, you know, he wants to keep us in the dark, so to say, and make us miss who God has created us to be. And the Bible teaches that God has created every single human being for a great purpose. The challenge is, is a lot of people don't understand that purpose and never live that purpose out, kind of stumble around and miss a lot. In life. And so today, this Easter weekend, 2015, I want to read to you the words of Jesus as he spoke them in John chapter 8, verse 12. And he says something phenomenal. And this is what it says Jesus himself said, He says, I am the light of the world. He says, If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Now that's an incredible, incredible statement. And I want to read it again because I want the words of Jesus to begin to sink in every single human being's heart that's underneath the sound of my voice this Easter weekend. Because these are life-changing words. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You won't have to wander around. You won't have to be 
afraid. You won't have to begin to uh, try to understand what's in front of you, what's out, you know, a past today. He says, no, no, no. He says, because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, light gives direction. Light gives hope. Light helps us see beyond where we currently are. I, I mean, I know a lot of us can physically see where we currently are, but can I tell you something? Some things going on in our lives, some circumstances maybe are, are keeping us from seeing beyond where we are. We're kind of maybe losing hope and think that we don't have hope. Anybody got any circumstances here today? <laughs> yeah. Situations? We all do, don't we? Oh man, I got some major circumstances going on, some major situations. But can I tell you something? You say, well, how do you get through those? Well, there's light and there's hope on the other side of whatever circumstance happens today. And Jesus says he gives direction. He kind of guides and directs us in a powerful way if we'll begin uh, to let him be our light. And so he can broaden our spectrum. He can increase our view upon life. If we're willing to open our hearts and let him move us on our journey in an incredible incredible way now what's interesting to me is we could take a passage like that and we could read it and we could teach on it and we could close the service but here's what i believe is going to help some of us here today is to tell the story of where jesus said these words and put it in context against the backdrop uh, of where jesus said these words because jesus didn't just kind of utter these words and mosey on. No, no, no. He set it against the backdrop of a story that we're going to read in our Bible today. And those words came as he began to shed light on a lady's broken situation. On a lady's very dark moment. And he said those words against that backdrop. And what's amazing is as we read the story, maybe God's going to shed new light today on who he is and what he wants to do in your life as we look at the story of how Jesus told a whole crowd of people he was the light of the world. And he told it in context as he had just spoken to a lady's life who was in a very broken spot. Did you know that brokenness can really cause us to live in the dark? It can hold us back in a tremendous way. So let's look at the story, and this is what it says in the Bible in John chapter 8. The story happens before Jesus says he's the light of the world, and he'll give direction, and nobody ever has to walk around in the dark again. He tells it against the backdrop of this particular event. The Bible says as he was speaking, as he was speaking to a large crowd, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, the spiritual elite of that day, the people who were supposed to know all about God and help people on their journey, you know, what it says is they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. The Bible says they put her in front of the crowd. Now, now these are people who are supposed to help people spiritually. And, and they catch a lady in the act of adultery. I don't know about you, but for me, if, if I were caught in the act of adultery, 
And the people who were supposed to be helping me spiritually brought me up here in front of this large Easter crowd, which would have been equivalent to what happened that day. And, and, and sit me up here in front of you and everybody else around you, and, and they begin to expose <laughs> what I did. I don't know about you, but that would make me feel a lot of different things. Probably make me feel really embarrassed. Can I tell you something? That's what a lot of people think uh, God is all about, that he just wants to embarrass them. Oh, it was to call them out for what they did last night, last month, last week, 10 years ago, and embarrass them in such a way. That's what a lot of people think God is, and that's how that would make you feel. These are the, the people who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders that were supposed to know about God and really help people on, on their journey. They brought a lady who was caught in an act of adultery. I don't know about you, but that, that particular event if you did that to me, especially if my spouse was in the room too, you know what I'm saying? And you brought me up here and you put me in front of all the people and, you know, everything else. It may make me feel a little afraid. Because, you know, if I got caught in the act of adultery, my spouse, she's a little bit, you know, I don't know how to explain it. But anyway, <laughs> I would be fearful for my life. Just let me put it that way, okay? So, um, I don't know how, why I got off on that. So, just started really thinking about it, you know? So, anyway, it probably made me fearful. That's what darkness does, you know? Uh, I mean, it, it would maybe make me embarrassed, make me fearful. It, it could make me really angry. <laughs> I mean, if you did that to me personally, uh, uh, let me step down here because some of you don't see this. I'm old, okay, but but I, I can still I can still go. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, it would probably make me angry. And if you did that to me, and you were supposed to be helping me, but you embarrassed me like that, I'd probably punch you in the teeth. I mean, that's really how that would make me feel, okay? Because that's what that's what happens. Whenever we don't act on behalf of God for who he really is, whenever something is found out in our life. And the Bible says these spiritual leaders brought them to Jesus because they wanted Jesus to do something that he didn't come to do. Look what it says. They said, teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses, the law that we follow, says to stone her, to execute her, to get rid of her right here. That, that could be the penalty. It was legal to, to execute her. Well, what do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. See, the question needs to be asked, and the Bible doesn't say it, but they caught this lady in the act of adultery, so why did she commit adultery? I mean, did her husband make her mad? I mean, did she see something that looked better, you know, across the fence, the neighbor? Did she see somebody that had a little bit more money? I mean, I, I don't know what it was. But I do know what it was driven by. It was driven by an identity crisis. It was driven by her not really understanding who God says that she is 
and living out her purpose and her design in how he says that she can live it out. In other words, she was deceived. And you know, once we're deceived and we don't really understand who God is, it's impossible for us to understand who we are. And deception came in the garden and plagued all of humanity. It came into the garden to see the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. And, and, and they, they missed the mark of who God created them to be. You see, the Bible says God created this palatious place. Incredible, phenomenal. And, and, and he put the man and the woman in that garden to rule and reign over the garden and all of the earth. I mean, he was going to provide everything they would ever need in life. He was providing for them. It was a palatious place. He was protecting them. He he created his creation to live in communion with him, to trust him as a provider, as the one that walks with them and does incredible things. And the enemy slips in and deceives them, and then they distrust God. And they begin to take on a different identity once they distrust God they had an identity crisis and I believe this lady in the story she just had identity crisis she had an identity crisis and she didn't really understand who God says that she was and she was searching for something in life she was searching for significance she was searching for purpose and you know she thought she could find it in another relationship and 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 she sinned see Sin causes all kinds of sinful behavior. But sin is a picture word. It's a, it's a word that means literally missing the bullseye. Missing the target. The bullseye of what? The bullseye of, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, of God's amazing, glorious standard. So what is God's standard for your life? I mean, it can be seen in the life of Christ, obviously, in the flesh, because he is God in the flesh. But what is God's amazing standard? Most people think it's a list of rules. But really, his amazing standard for humanity is how he created them to live before they were deceived and took on a false identity. His amazing standard was, I want to provide for you. I want you to to live the palatious life in relationship with me and in communion with me. I want you to fully trust me with all of you. I want to provide for you. I want to take you on a journey. And I want to be your provision, your protection, and everything. He's a loving father in a relationship. And the Bible says because of sin, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, they were deceived. Now, genetically, that has plagued all of human race. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've all missed the mark. In other words, we've all distrusted God in some form, some fashion. We all don't really believe that he will always do what he says he will do. The Bible says every human that has ever lived that came from a man 
and a woman have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now your sin today may not be like the lady's sin here in the story. Maybe you didn't commit adultery. I mean, you know, but, and, and, and that may not be what your sin is, but I do know what it does. It holds us back from our God potential. The Bible says, I sin, you sin, you, we all sin. We've all missed the mark. We've all stumbled around in the dark, and I've stumbled in several areas, and you know what? I still continue to stumble. But I have light that gives me hope beyond my stumbling. So the lady is caught in the act of adultery. Now keep in mind, these accusers, they said, hey, Jesus, the law says that we can take this vessel, this this lady, because of her sin, and we we can stone her. We can kill her. In other words, they wanted to what? She was a hard-headed lady. (laughs) They wanted to crush her. They wanted to condemn her. Jesus, this is what the law said. Now, keep in mind, they were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus... And begin to make him say something, you know what, that, that he didn't come to say. Jesus, what do you say we do with this lady? In other words, they thought that Jesus was going to say, well, you should do exactly what the law says and condemn her. But can I tell you, the law was never designed to put you to death. It was designed to show you that you had a need. It's interesting, nobody's ever been made right by the law. It's to show us we've got a problem with what the Scripture says. However, you know, a lot of people never find what they're really looking for. And so uh, they wanted to stone her for her sin. And I can tell you right now, that's a lot of times what we want to do to ourselves. That's what we want to do to other people. We want to compare. We want to, you know, say that we're, we're not deserving of God's amazing love and His amazing grace. We've messed up too bad. And that's where a lot of people are. And so we do one of two things. We quit, we hide, we run, and we like, you know what, I just don't, I just don't believe there is a God. So I'm just going to shove him in the corner somewhere. Or, many Americans do it this way, uh, because we're people that can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? And so what we'll do is say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll prove that I deserve God's love. So so I'll, I'll make myself right. I'm going to do everything just right and phenomenal and prove that I deserve God's love. Can I tell you the truth of the matter today? I don't care what you've done and how bad it was. And I don't care what you've done and how good it is. The Bible says there's nothing you can do, good or bad, that can keep you away from God's love. And many people think that their miss, their sin, their missing God's glorious standard um, can keep them away from or, or, or keep God's love away from them. But can I tell you something? 
they, they believe that there's sin, that God can't come into the presence of their sin and do something. But the Bible says nothing can hold back the love of God. And Jesus himself is God in the flesh, and he is love, and he comes and he, he dives into the middle of humanity, into the middle of sin. Sin does not scare God. And sin, your sin, your miss, it doesn't change his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And the Bible says his son gave us life on a cross while we were still living in sin. So that means that what you've done or what you haven't done can't change God's love. Because the Bible states he is love. See, that could have shed light on somebody's life today. And love couldn't, love, or, or, or this lady's sin, her adultery, couldn't keep the love of God away from her brokenness. The accusers wanted to destroy her. And I can tell you right now, the accuser wants to destroy you too. I mean, we've all sinned, fallen short of God's glorious standard. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've all sinned. Now, we ought to act like we haven't a lot of times. I mean, you know, and, and the truth is, is I don't know what your sin is, and you don't, probably don't know what many of my sin or things I've done and missing the mark, but if we brought it up here and exposed it in front of everybody, it would, it would make you feel lonely, dark, angry, all those various things. Because we, we all have things in our life that, you know what, we, we really wouldn't want to expose to the world because we think we're going to be condemned for it. But see... What's interesting is these guys wanted to condemn the lady and, and break her life. And, you know, whatever your sin is, I mean, there's many things that break our life. I mean, you know, and we begin to hide. I mean, you know, a lot of people sin because they don't trust God for financial provision. Right? I mean, we, we've got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and make it happen our own self. And what happens is when we can't make it happen our own self, then a lot of times, well, we'll say, Visa, will you help make it happen? Anybody got any debt? You don't have to raise. I do. I'm, I'm going to put both hands up. Okay? And it don't take a, a mental giant to read on the internet to realize that most of our society does. And, and again, you know, having a little debt in itself is not a, a bad thing. All right? But what happens is we begin to get overwhelmed in debt a lot of times because um, we believe that we need things and we believe that we're not being provided for or we're jealous of what somebody else has and we want to outlive them, you know, and we do all these various things and we end up in a place we never thought we would be. And can I tell you how it makes you feel? Overwhelmed, doesn't it? Lonely. See, see, sin, when we don't trust God, it breaks us. And it, and it puts us in a place and that's where the enemy wants to keep you today. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Some of us try to make ourselves righteous. There was a man in the Bible who did that. His name was Job. You may call him Job because it's spelt the same way. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says Job was a man of incredible integrity. In other words, he crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. And the Bible says that he still sinned. In other words, he was a, uh, he was a righteous man. He followed, you know, all the rules and regulation. And I won't go through the whole story with you. You should read it sometimes. It's about 42 chapters in your Bible. But at the very end of it, it says that Job turned from his sin 
And if he was righteous, he crossed all the D's, the T's and, 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 and dotted all the I's, what sin did he have? Can I tell you what his sin was? He, he thought that he was earning God's love and he, and he would be blessed and if he stayed righteous and had, had integrity that he could earn God's love when God's love was already there. And what he says at the end of the scripture is simply amazing. He says, God, I knew all about you. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. So how did he see God? He experienced God in in the calamity of losing everything else or whatever. And so he began to experience God in an incredible way, not by what he did or didn't do, but because God was already there. There's nothing you can do to separate God's love away from you. Nothing you can do. It is there. But you know what? That doesn't mean you have to receive it. That doesn't mean you have to live by it. And the enemy would love to keep you beat down with all the accusations, all the broken pieces of your sin and my sin today because that's how the enemy works and holds many of us in the dark. Wants to accuse you. Wants to keep you broken. Wants you to make you miss life. Wants you to strive harder. And if you could just get a little ray of hope today from the light of the world, it may forever change your life. And can I tell you, remember Jesus said he was the light of the world against the backdrop of this story where accusers came and brought a sinful woman to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, should we, content, should we condemn her? Should we put her to death? They were trying to trap Jesus. And today I want to share with you his answer because many of us are in a broken state, a broken place, and um, maybe we need to respond to letting Jesus be the light of the world and guide our life. His answer is simply amazing. And this really changes the spectrum of who God is. He's not just the God of today. He is the God of today, but he's the God of tomorrow, and he's the God of yesterday. And he's the God who has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's the God who the Bible says knit you together in your mother's womb for greatness, for significance. The Bible says that Jesus answered these accusers this way. The Bible says that he stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, I find that fascinating because Jesus didn't say anything. Jesus just stooped down. And I don't know if you're paying close attention, but when he stooped down, he met the lady in her brokenness right where she is. The Bible goes on to say this, that they kept, they kept demanding an answer. So the Bible says, so he stood up again. So Jesus knelt down where the woman was, met her where she was, didn't say a word. The accusers kept demanding an answer. What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And the Bible says Jesus stands up and he says, he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. In other words, he says, you know what? If, 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 If you haven't stumbled and you haven't mistrusted God and you haven't 
begin to sin, he says, go ahead and throw the first stone. Because what Jesus was really revealing to them is the same thing that Romans 3.23 reveals to us. You know what? We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We're all not living how God designed us to live with His protection, with His provision, walking in the fullness of life in a relationship with Him. Jesus says, hey, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. The Bible says, and then He stooped down again a second time and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard Jesus say, the one who has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And after he stooped down again, the Bible says that, you know what? They begin to depart the oldest or for uh, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Now I find this fascinating because here's Jesus teaching a large crowd of people and he gets on his knees and in in the place where a woman was broken, where she was accused, where she was lonely and he humbles himself and gets right there. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was God. In the beginning, He was with God. And He was God. And then He became light and put on flesh and came into the world. And what's interesting is it says that He humbled Himself to the place of a servant so that we could all understand who God is and He meets us right in our brokenness. And so as he did that, the Bible says that Jesus then stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers now? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now, that last phrase really determines whether we see the light today or we stay in darkness. Because how you interpret how Jesus said that last phrase really determines whether you know who God is. Have you ever experienced God in a powerful way? Because a lot of people read that last phrase and as Jesus says, hey, you know what, where are your accusers now? Has, have they condemned you? Jesus says, well, I don't condemn you either. And a lot of people think it reads like this. I don't condemn you either. And I, since I come, you know what, and I did something for you today, you know what, you need to get up and you need to stop sinning and you need to kind of get on with your life. And because I did this for you, you need to do something for me and go and sin no more. You hear me, girl? You better stop sinning. That's how a lot of people see God. But let me shed light on something for you today. The Bible says Jesus didn't come into the world with a pointed finger. He came into the world with open arms. The Bible says he didn't come into the world to judge the world. He came into the world to salvage the world and rescue 
the world, the people of the world. And what's interesting is he doesn't point his finger and say, go and sin no more. It's like he says, hey, where are your accusers now? Has anybody condemned you? I haven't either. And now, lady, since I've knelt down and I've come to you in the middle of your brokenness and you've met me, the one that forgives you, the one that restores you, now you have the light in your life. You can have a new identity, understand who you are, and now you can go and stop missing created you to be. No longer do you have to live under the illusion of a false identity. You can be who I've created you to be. Now go and stop missing the mark and be all God's created you to be. Go and sin no more. That would be the vernacular that Jesus used. And so what that looks like today is it looks something like this. It looks like uh, Jesus because the Bible says that he came from heaven to earth, left all his splendor. He knelt among us and he begins to pick up the pieces of our messy life and our broken life. And the accuser wants us to stay down here in this broken state of mind, missing what life is really all about believing that there is no hope for us, no eternity for us. And Jesus kneels down, you know, and he's not afraid of any of our brokenness today. And he begins to basically uh, take it, and he kneels down and he picks us up. And we think that's a mess. But Jesus says that you know what? If you allow him to create a new spirit and become the light of the world in your life, then together, what he'll begin to do, as the light is shed upon your light, he'll begin to make us together into a beautiful masterpiece that looks like this. In other words, Jesus will take your brokenness and my brokenness, and he'll begin to put it together, and we'll begin to shine into the world and begin to show people that God can take broken pieces and make an amazing masterpiece. Jesus came into the world not to condemn you of your sin, not condemn you of your miss, but to save you from it. Is that what you want this Easter? Jesus stooped down. The Bible says that he came down, you know what, in the flesh. The Bible says that he points his finger at the enemy and he disarms the enemy. Can I tell you what the Bible says? That Jesus hung on a cross and he looked at the enemy in his face and the last words he breathes is, it is finished. Paid in full. The Bible says three days later, he was lifted up. He stood up again. He resurrected from the grave and he gives new life. Jesus stood up again. He looks at the lady and says, I do not condemn you 
either. And since you met me, the light of the world, now you have the ability to let me guide you and lead you. And you don't have to keep missing the mark because I paid the price in full. And you know what? I resurrect you to new life and I'll give you the power to guide you if you'll follow That's the good news. After that, Jesus looks at the crowd and says, I am the light of the world. You no longer have to stumble around in sin and darkness. If you'll come to me, you know what? I'll begin to guide your life. Is that what you want this Easter? We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. Here's how we're going to do it. In just a moment, you're going to hear a powerful, powerful song. And as you hear that song today, and you want to respond, we're going to allow you to do that over about the next five minutes. I'm going to ask that you don't leave, but I know it's a crowded room in here today. And you received a piece of broken glass when you came in the door. And if you're ready to surrender your brokenness to the light of Jesus, we're going to simply ask you in a moment when we pray to maybe say, God, I'm ready to, to give you my life today and let you forgive me of all my sin, all my misses in life shine your light in my heart and begin to guide me as a new creation if that's what you want to do today we're going to pray together you just bring that little piece of uh, glass forward you'll drop it here at the front there's going to be some people that's going to give you a light and you can make your way back to your seat i know this is going to be a little crowded maybe a little bit difficult but we're going to you know sing a song and if you don't make your way here I do want to say there will also be some people to receive you at our Next Step tents all over this campus, out at the Overflow campus. If you need to do it, there will be some people to receive you also. But I'd love to pray with you today. And if you're ready to do that today, the moment you hear them begin to sing, you can come forward after you surrender your life to Jesus. Drop your stone and make your way back to your seat. So can you all bow our heads, please? God, thank you so much for this amazing message. God, I thank you so much for the light of the world. I pray that you would illuminate in people's life today. You're not a God that comes with a pointed finger. You're a God that comes on a rescue mission. Jesus, you told the enemy it is finished. You took the focus off of our sin and you put it on your shoulders as you hung on a cross, just like you did as you took the focus off the lady's sin and you put it upon yourself that day that you drew in the sand. And God, if there's people here today that think they are condemned, God, may they receive the light of the world, the one who came into the world to forgive them, to restore them, and to coach them to amazing greatness. If you'd like to receive Jesus today, the gift of life, just simply say something like this. God, I'm tired of doing life my own way. And today, I want to believe, I want to trust with all of my heart that Jesus resurrected from a grave to forgive me and pay the penalty for my sin. Just tell God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. And the Bible says if you confess that with your mouth and you believe it in the core of your heart, in that moment the lights come on and Jesus becomes your salvation and begin to guide you to greatness. And so if Jesus just became the light of your life, we're going to all stand to our feet and we're going to ask that you just come forward, maybe drop your stones here, make your way back to your seat. This will take us about five minutes. And then after that, 
will dismiss everybody. So go ahead and stand to your feet. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.